conversation with you. Thank you so much. Yeah, so we met through another project because I was working on establish or still working on establishing something like, uh, yeah, a hub for homeschooling, unschooling world families to meet, live and thrive together. And you've been very important because you shared so many nice ideas about the whole unschooling idea and movement. And that really stuck with me. So, uh, yeah. I'm very happy that you're here with me and that you share a little bit of that knowledge with not just me, but my audience as well. Maybe you want to share a bit about your background and what you're doing and working on and everything. Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, so I'm a grandmother as well as a mother. I raised three daughters um, unschooling since day one which was back in the 1980s and 90s. <laughs> so it goes back a long way. Um, I lived in Ohio in the United States at the time, and nobody knew anything about it, about homeschooling or unschooling. I learned about it from a friend, and my friend told me to read everything I could find by John Holt. And John Holt is the person who coined the term unschooling. So I read all of his books, and as I was reading, I thought, oh, this is so natural. This is like something I've already known, and it makes so much sense to me. And basically what John Holt was advocating is doing the opposite of school. So, for example, a child is required to go to school. Well, what if he weren't? A child is required to do certain things at certain times. Well, what if he weren't? When the bell rings, you have to stop what you're doing and go to another class. Well, what if you didn't have to stop what you were doing? <clears throat> what if you could continue to do activities as long as you were interested in them? Um, then there's, there's summer break where you play, right? And that's not considered learning. <laughs> so he challenged a lot of these ideas. And basically, he in one of his books, he quoted um, Albert Einstein, who said that you basically, it's not a direct quote, but you can basically stop a pasture grazing animal from eating when you apply coercion. So he applied that to children. And he said, you know, children, uh, human beings are natural learners. He said, birds fly, fish swim, and humans learn. They're curious. They, that's what we do. But when you try to force something on a being, which is natural, then you can stop that activity. It's, it's quite a violent um, activity, you know, uh, act that's being done. And it crushes the human spirit, not completely, because we're very, uh, we can rebound where we can um, go back to picking up on where we left off when that coercion is released. So I followed what he had to say. And I love the unschooling philosophy. And I started it with my children. Um, so the oldest one was When she was like three or four, I was reading John Holt. And when she was uh, five or six, you know, she was like, oh, I want to go on, on the school bus. It looks so exciting. 
And I said, no, we're not going to do that. It's really not a very healthy place for you, but we can do something like that at home if you want to. And it'll be just like what they do in school. So you'll see what it's all about. So we, I put together, you know, a little, uh, readers, they're called the McGuffey readers that they used back in the 1800s and um, Ray's arithmetics, which was also a very old way of teaching arithmetic with popsicle sticks and so forth. And we had time every morning to do school. And I said, okay, so now we're going to do math and now we're going to do reading. And I could see over the days that she was drooping, that she was losing interest. And at the end of two weeks, I said, so this is what school is. How do you like it? And she said, I don't like this. I said, okay, well, would you like to stop doing this every morning? And she said, yeah. So we stopped. And that was the (laughs) end of our experiment. So she got to understand what it was to be in school and um, what you do when you are there and decided, no, that wasn't really very exciting to her. But she really did want to check out a real school. So I made an arrangement with the local public school to have her visit. Of course, they did all the fun things, so she would want to go. But mm-hmm. I said, no, you can visit. And then next, the next year, I said, do you want to visit? And she said, yes. So she did. And by the third year, I said, do you want to visit this year? And she said, no. And that was the end of it. She really didn't have interest after that. And then when she got to be a teenager, she was very involved in horses. And every year I would say to her, are you interested in taking any classes at the local high school or going to school at all? And she goes, mom, when would I have time? I'm too busy. So (laughs) that was the end of that idea. So she never went to school for, she was never enrolled in the school. Um, However, she did have experience taking tests, which you can do outside of school. And um, you don't, there's the the fallacy that, oh, they have to prepare for all these university exams. And what if they don't, you know, or they have to learn how to stand in line. And it's no, that's not necessary. Um, You can learn to do something and take a test. It does. You don't need 12 years of preparation. And if you want to learn how to stand in line, go to the grocery store and stand in line. (laughs) You know, it's everywhere. (laughs) So anyway, that's a little bit of an intro to how I learned about unschooling and um, how I worked with my oldest daughter. And um, the other two were similar, except they had more school experiences that they wanted to try out. So there was more of an eclectic approach. Um, They didn't stay there very long and they didn't um, graduate from any public or private school, just West River Academy. Nice. That is awesome. I really like that. How did it like how did your unschooling approach or your understanding of unschooling change throughout the years because for me um I would say I'm yeah into unschooling the last 10 years of my life and it radically changed me who I am as a human being but also made me understand unschooling even better each time I'm confronted with this topic in any kind of I don't know uh, situation um, so I think our unschooling way changed a lot and it also changes from week to week, of course, like it's a, it's a constant development, I think. Um, how did that look like in your family? Well, you know, nobody knows what they're doing and there's, 
people who seem to come across as experts and this is how you do things. But when it comes down to it, I think everybody is scared because we are doing something which is not considered normal in society. And we're afraid that we're going to fail. And I think the biggest challenge is, am I going to destroy the life of my child? <laughs> you know, am I doing it right? Because we've We've been brainwashed into thinking there's a right way and there's a wrong way. And if we don't do it the right way, we can be responsible for another human being's failure in life, failure to thrive, you know. And so I think that's the hardest thing because you're always questioning. But I think what was nice for me, too, is that I started a support group in my town and so we had a lot of meetings and I produced newsletters and we did um, activities. And so I was gaining experience and information from others. Not It wasn't just me doing it by myself with my husband and my children. You know, um, there was a lot of other input, a lot of other exchange of ideas. And there were other modalities that were forming around us. There was the Christian homeschool group. There was the, the rigid um, group of people, you know, that basically did school at home. So we they call that on homeschooling, um, and I say, well, homeschooling has a whole range of ways of doing it. And the way on one side, there's the unschooling, which is complete freedom, um, giving freedom to your child with responsibility to make decisions and and be responsible for them. And then on the other end of the spectrum, there's the school at home traditional sit down, mom's a teacher, do this curriculum. So there's a huge span of modalities in the homeschooling environment. There's project-based, there's unit studies, you know, there's a little bit of each. And so um, I learned along the way that there's a lot out there and I could adjust what I was doing based on what else I was learning, but I never really got beyond feeling that unschooling was the way to go for our family and that gradually... I learned that I wasn't going to ruin my child, that she was thriving. And one thing I did to prove to myself when she was, uh, my oldest one was six years old, at the end of the year, I made a big portfolio and I put each subject area in a section. So there was language, there was social studies, math, science, and I made lists of books that we read that had to do with learning that particular subject. And pictures of places we went, we would go to the national parks, we would, you know, get involved in um, local park naturalist type of programs. They did music, they did horseback riding, they did a lot of activities that I just listed and listed and listed. And at the end, when I produced it, I read that and I just thought there's no way that going to school eight hours a day could even come close to matching the learning that she did over this one year. So that kind of sealed it for me that that was the way to go. And I think that um, what I started learning <clears throat> over the years, especially, um, well, with my second daughter who did spend some time in high school, and then my third daughter who um, also spent some time in high school. And she told me later that her purpose for going to the high school was not to get good grades and be part of the system. It was kind of a sociology experiment for her. Like what is school like and what do kids do and what are these cliques and, 
how do I navigate the whole school system? So although she didn't fail, her primary purpose was not to do the courses and get great grades. It was to investigate this thing called school. <laughs> so I thought that was interesting. And what, what I learned, I think the biggest takeaway from all of this in, in terms of how I evolved and changed is understanding that unschooling looks like anything as long as it's the child's desire. Mm -hmm. So my youngest daughter wanted to try out school. Well, does that mean she was not unschooling? No. It means that she had the choice. She had the ability and the freedom to choose to go to school for grade 10. And she was still unschooling because it was her choice, because coercion was not part of this. She was not required to be doing any specific type of learning. So her unschooling included joining a little, um, uh, I don't know, what did they call them in those days, like a little co-op, which was run by the school district, which was sort of an alternative type of school program. She did that when she was um, a young child and had all kinds of experiences with that little program. And she did the whole unschooling thing where we just do our thing every day for a year and lessons and activities and playing with friends and meetups. And and then she also got involved in formal lessons and eventually she got involved in a formal public school. She also spent some time at a boarding school, uh, which was her choice. And all of this together is unschooling. Why? Because she chose it. So that's my takeaway of my evolution in unschooling. That's really nice. And I think that is matching what a lot of uh, yeah, unschooling parents told me. For example, Pat Ferenga called it the swinging door policy. It's still unschooling if your kid is right. choosing what the kid is like up to. And you just enable it. Mm -hmm. And I really right. think that's nice because my kid had a phase where we both wanted sorry to see what it would look like if he went to school uh, the place where we're living at because it's a different culture and everything um so yeah we just wanted to have a look and uh, we failed miserably like after a couple of days i think even hours <laughs> it was very clear that yeah nice try nice try And, um, but that was very nice to see because it made me way stronger because then I knew, okay, it's not only my choice, it's also his choice. And now that we saw what is mm -hmm. out there for us, it's way easier to say, okay, no, that's the way to go. We just don't do anything at all like that. So, yeah. So what I see right mm -hmm. now is that my son's best friend, he's going to school and often when he's like sleeping over. Uh, next morning he has to go to school and then he's always super sad because we are going to the forest we are going for a walk with the dog mm -hmm. and these kind of like the the nice small things in life the tiny things you enjoy and he was just very sad like for a long time but he didn't say anything and now he spoke up to his mom and he was like yeah he really needs to quit school <laughs> and he's 10 so I think it's mm -hmm. it's a nice age to have that decision And he's allowed to quit school, so mm -hmm. he will be homeschooling soon. And that's cool mm -hmm. to see that that this kind of lifestyle is, I mean, 
is chosen by the kids. So they just, yeah, have something to say and how their life looks like. So, yeah, um, something I really wanted to know is how did the, the, the whole unschooling landscape change throughout the years? Because from my perspective, uh, perspective uh, it's a quite limited uh, I would say overview about what's happening there. First of all, because I'm German, and secondly, because uh, I never really got into reading tons of books about it, following anything. And my parents, uh, they they don't even know about unschooling until today. I think they still don't know. So there is no kind of history in my family at all about unschooling. And I think it's quite interesting because you're uh, also at the other the the other end of the world. So how does it look like from from over there from your perspective how did that change over the years what was i don't know funny significant what happened yeah very good question um unschooling is alternative to an extreme in my opinion mm-hmm. it means everything you've learned you have to question and change 180 degrees in terms of education and what causes people to learn. It's part of our entire societal indoctrination. And everyone is subjected to it from the day they're born. So education is an aspect of it. And there's others, you know, the political, the financial, the People that are totally the go off grid, you know, they've challenged it all. People that um, turn away from the government educational system, but they are involved in the rest of society as a normal citizen and growing up or living in the suburbs and, you know, doing all the things, grocery shopping. And, you know, then it becomes like, okay, we are we are not wanting to put our kid in school or in some cases there it's almost forced on them by the horrible situations that their children find themselves in, in the system. And then they start looking for alternatives. Um, medical is another area where um, you use traditional medicine, you know, you use the pharmaceuticals or you, then there's the people that turn away from that, that go into natural healing as it always has been. Um, so it's a it's a small part of a huge landscape, and unschooling. When I started, now John Holt wrote these books in the 1970s, and actually I didn't realize this until I was way into motherhood. But when I was in college, we had what was called a public affairs conference every year, and the one year that I was there, the conference was on education. And John Holt was there as one of the speakers. And he was very influential. And I remember one of my teachers afterwards decided to change the way she taught her class. And it was going to be more of a voluntary type of participation. Come if you want to. Here's the syllabus. Read it on your own. Come to class if you want to talk about the the ideas and, um, you know, but you'll have to take the test at the end, (laughs) right? So she was trying to implement some of the ideas of John Holt. And um, so that, as I say, was in the 70s. And um, so it goes back a long way. And then, of course, John Holt started Growing Without Schooling, which was that magazine. 
which uh, was started in Massachusetts and people started to subscribe to it. Then unfortunately he passed away at a young age and Patrick Ferenga took over and he and I were friends back from that, those days. (laughs) And he had three daughters and so did we. And, you know, we got together and, and chatted about things when we were in that area and um, it's a very small group of people who really get it, the whole unschooling idea, and they support it and they love it. Um, there's a lot of eclectic people out there that, oh, we unschool in a certain, but I really got to make sure that my, my, my kid does this and this. We, I have to do that. And I would say the eclectic approach is probably, I don't know if I had to venture a guess, I would say 90% of it. Even the people that say that they follow a curriculum, they do to a degree, but then there's so much else that their children do. And uh, so I think the eclectic approach is probably the largest percentage. And unschooling uh, over the decades that I've been doing it, I, I can't really say it's grown. now. I, well, although what I can say is that other countries, people in countries outside the U.S. where it really found its home, um, have started to learn about it. And I think in, a, in some ways they're more advanced than the slow movement of the people in the United States because it's just not so urgent. You know, in other countries where there has been a lot more oppression um, politically, and therefore educationally, and the children have really suffered en masse. You know, like in Japan, I, my first husband um, is from Japan, and he suffered his entire schooling, uh, just so, so much pressure. I mean, the suicide rate among children in Japan is horrendous because mm-hmm. they can't make it. And um, so you have that those kind of statistics where when people finally do raise their head above you might say the 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 sea, the the depth of the darkness, and they see what's out there. They latch onto it because it's their salvation. It's it's the solution for the um, anxiety and the angst that the people are going through with their families and their children in the system. So I think unschooling outside the United States. Well, I should say English-speaking countries because I think Australia and the UK also um, are are close to being there. Um, but I think it's grown so much um, in that area outside the U.S. Whereas when I first started, you know, it was only an American thing. <laughs> um, and South America too; it's grown like crazy in South America, um, and in uh, Eastern Europe, not so much Western Europe. Uh, because they have, there's so many reasons that they're not allowed to. But in some of the Eastern European countries, they are able to, and even the ones that are not able to, are fighting for it. And they're doing it anyway, and they're figuring stuff out. Or they're leaving the country. They're mig- immigrating you know, to a country which is safer for them to unschool. And then, of course, when they find West River Academy, and they find that we've been in business for 30 years, and we've been you know, supporting unschooling, we walk the talk for all this time, uh, then they see a, a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel, like maybe I can enroll in West River, and maybe that will help to give me another layer of protection against this tyranny of my this government. So that's how our enrollment of people in 
all the countries has increased. Just they found us and they feel like it's safe if they have that layer of protection from us. That's true, actually, for myself uh, as well. Because when I discovered West River Academy, I had this big relief, like, oh my God, there is actually a chance I can pull that through no matter where I am. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> it really mm -hmm. changed my whole like feeling towards the situation and I could let go of a lot of like pressure. So what a relief yeah. that projects yeah, like yours exist. Yeah, just feeling peace, you know? Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah, just yeah. Uh, mothers especially, they're already in in kind of a pressure cooker, you know, with raising children. And I'm not saying fathers aren't, but, you know, in general, the typical roles have been the mothers feel that pressure. And in Japan, mothers are given the entire responsibility for the education of their child. Fathers don't participate. And so if the child doesn't do well, it's the mother's responsibility. It's, it's huge, the burden that the women have and the mothers have. So when, and of course, most of the people that find us and call us and want to talk to us, they're mostly women because they're looking for that peace that they can have in their family. And when they find us, they're so relieved. They have such peace of mind. And to me, like, that's the greatest gift that I feel, you know, it makes me feel good to be able to help so many people to have peace of mind as they educate their children. So more than the monetary part, it's just gratification to have this peace of mind returned to the moms of the world. It's so important. So, yeah, I wanted to ask you um, what your opinion on how school is failing our kids is, because I think we all are very individual uh, yeah, experiences in school. Um, so I found that quite interesting to mm -hmm. see what other people find out and what is annoying or what is, I don't know, uh, your opinion about uh, these different layers of school. I mean, it's a huge rabbit hole, but maybe you can pick some important things that you would say, this is how school is failing our kids. Yeah, well, I'm going to make a radical statement. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think school is extremely successful at what, at what it's doing. and. That's a radical statement, but they're successful because their agenda is not to help children. Their agenda is to destroy the family. And they start with the children and the indoctrination that's going on there. And uh, the requirement to enroll children at a younger and younger age to pull them away from the family. So they're doing, they are successful at what they have set out to do. Not, I'm not blaming teachers. You know, people that are down on the ground doing the work, that's, that's a whole different thing. People go into teaching because they love children. They want to help just like nurses go into the medical field because they want to help. But then they find themselves in a system which doesn't allow them to do what they want to do. You know, and they're told, no, you can't spend time on this. You have to spend time on that. And the kids have to go out for all these special things. And, um, And then they have the title. They call them Title I. Oh, these kids have these problems and they have to meet over here. And it just becomes um, school is uh, exactly doing what it's supposed to do. And it's hurting our children because that's the intent. So I honestly don't think that school of any kind in this 
century or the previous centuries when they started to impose this on the population, I don't think that it's healthy for anybody. But then again, you know, I'm not in a position to make anybody do anything and I don't want to. But if you ask my opinion, get them out right away. They, there's no, nothing healthy about being in a school situation today. Nice. So, <laughs> yeah, they haven't failed. They've succeeded and we need to stop them before the whole humanity is destroyed, which it's uh, well on its way to being ha to happening right now. So get your kids out, save your kids. They're going to be the leaders of the world if we have a world down the road, you know. Um, and look what we're doing. We're poisoning them. From the day they're born, we're injecting them with poison. And yeah. poisons are coming from everywhere. It's totally to stop human beings from thriving so that those that want to control us are successful in their agenda and keep us as, you know, healthy slaves, healthy enough, mostly sick slaves to do what we're told to do, to barely eke out a living, to not be in a family where husband and wife can raise children because they're both out working and the kids are out at school and they come home and they don't even know each other anymore. It's terrible. And school plays a huge role in that. And then, of course, the jobs and the feminist movement, you know, and, you know, get, get women out of the home, get them to work and get them to... <laughs> you know, not be with their children and make, and uh, what's the word, to um, diminish in the eyes of the public the role of the mother. You know, it's, it's paramount. And so is the father. And, you know, it used to be that when there was more of an agrarian society that families worked together uh, and brought in the, the animals and the plants and the harvest and they all worked together and um, had fun in the evening and had fun when they didn't have to work and they were a close-knit group of people as a nuclear family. And then, of course, you also had the extended family that was helping out and now people are all over everywhere. So if a mother has to work and she's a single mom and she doesn't want her child in school, she doesn't have the support system that she used to have. So it makes it doubly impossible for her to take her child out of the system. And that's intentional, in my opinion. So I have nothing good to say about schools, but I do think they're totally successful in what they're trying to do. I like that a lot. So, sorry, it's very <laughs> radical, but you asked. <laughs> no, I think, uh, first of all, <clears throat> I think that's true. And you said it very beautifully. Um, often... Oh, thank you. You know, John Holt actually said that too. Oh, so that's beautiful. Um, yeah, he said, he said, let's not, he, because he was a teacher. He, yeah. and this is a thing, I, I didn't mention it, but he was a substitute teacher for elementary school. And he would go to friends' homes afterwards because he was a bachelor. And he would see these kids that were just so curious and interested in asking questions. And then he'd go teach a fifth grade class, and kids had no interest whatsoever. They were just misbehaving. And he thought, how do these curious little beings get to be these 10-year-olds that couldn't care less? And that's mm -hmm. when he came up with the idea of coercion. They, they didn't have a say in the matter. It wasn't interesting to them. They couldn't ask questions anytime they had one. They were told to sit down, shut up, and do the work and take tests. You know, So that's how he came up with the term unschooling. Do the opposite of what school is. 
So, yeah. yeah. I think that's nice. And Oh, and one other thing I was going to say is first, he was first involved in wanting to improve the schools. And he thought, how can we improve them? How can we improve them? But then the more he investigated, he saw that it's like the Titanic trying to turn it around. He says, you can't. It's designed to be this way. And anybody who's trying to improve the school system will never succeed. And if they're trying to do it within the lifetime of their own children being in school, it won't happen. So why try to improve the schools while your child is in them being subjected to them? And it's not going to happen during their period of education anyway. So just don't put them there. True. Don't improve it. Just get them out. Yeah. Don't Learn try that to the hard it. way. Just remove. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because I'm a teacher as well. And I think I've been teaching mm -hmm. actively for maybe mm, four hours in my life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Didn't work out well for me. I really didn't feel yeah. the vibe that <laughs> anyone wanted to be there. Like, not even me. Yeah. So, <laughs> mm -hmm. didn't make sense it's at all. Sad. And think it about is. how many hours of the day these children are stuck. It, it's, they're eight hours. And it, when you talk about getting up early and getting ready and taking the bus and rushing out of the house and the time it takes to get to the school, and then they have after school activities and then a bus ride home, it's the entire day of a child. Yeah. And then they go home, they have to do homework and go to bed. So yeah. what time do they have to be children and to spend time with their family? That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Wow. Oh, I mean, we don't have time for school. Seriously not. Because we've been talking about that the last couple of days. Because in comparison to what other families do in the time we do the stuff that we do. And we figured out, like, this is also mm -hmm. important. We cannot stop doing this and uh, actually have time to go to school. And I found that quite funny because uh, the way around seems to be normal to not have time to play and do all these nice things. Yeah, but... And play um, is the way children learn. And they've completely is. reversed that. It's like you, you get to play as a reward for learning, which is not true. Because yeah. play is the way humans learn. Just like any other mammal, you see little babies, right? And how is, there, how is the mother of these little babies working with the babies? They're running around, they're playing, they're tumbling, they're tossing, they're catching things, they're learning how to eat, right? All, all through their play activities. And you just raise a dog or a cat and you see how that all works. And then they say to a child, well, no, play is a reward for stuff that you hate doing it's a complete you know mind manipulation activity true so i have another question for you because i want to pick on your mm -hmm. brain in terms sure. of de-schooling um i found myself in a situation where i really wanted to unschool but i found out okay i'm still under such pressure and I feel so many expectations from outside and I've been so programmed. It's not so easy to just unschool. So I've been working on myself way more than I've been working on the education of my kid, but to de-school mm -hmm. myself and to be in the position to be comfortable with just letting go and trusting the process 
So I think that was huge work for me. And I don't know, maybe you can tell me if you had similar things you had to go through or what you would recommend if someone is like, okay, I would like to unschool, but I'm pretty <laughs> under pressure. I feel some kind of, I don't know, unease feeling uh, because I meet a lot of um, moms actually who are like, yeah, unschooling sounds great, but uh, I'm anxious. I can't do it. I can't let go. I have all these troubly thoughts in my head all the time. Well, you know, starting with, with that last comment, moms who are afraid will either succumb to the fear and not do it, or they will go forward in spite of the fear because of their conviction that this is the best for their family. And mm -hmm. they will, you know, with trepidation, move forward and start the process. So you have, you know, you have that line, the people that come up to the line and go, Oh, but I can't, I can't because, because, because they're not going to do it. Or there's people that will go, I'm so afraid, but I'm going to cross the line and Oh, okay, I'm doing it. And they gain strength. They just by taking that one, making that one decision and taking that one step, they've already been successful to a great degree. Then the way I counsel moms is Don't worry about your child. Just make sure that he's safe and doing activities in the home that are not destructive, you know, or um, are endangering. And you focus on yourself. So de-schooling is deprogramming. That's what it mm -hmm. is. Unschooling is one thing. De-schooling is another, as you've pointed out. And I tell the mothers that do everything you can to deprogram yourself. Start with asking questions. When you feel something coming on, like, oh, I want them to do this, ask yourself, why? What's making me say this? What's making me think this? Is this my thought or is this something that has come into my, my thinking because of programming that I've had since I was born? So It's taking notice of your thoughts and asking, where is this coming from? Is it really mine? And if it isn't, then where is it coming from? Oh, it's coming from some programming so I can challenge that. What do I really think? You know, and then let your own thought take its place because, because it doesn't have to, you can kick out the thought that's really not yours. It's just a bait, the result of programming. And then say, but what do I really think deep down? Why did I take my child out? Why am I doing this? because it's better for him, because I want a healthy home life, because I don't want to feel pressured into following what the society says I have to do. You know, so what are your reasons? And even if you jot those down, you know, it will help you to go back to those and say, yes, I'm doing this because of this. And then beyond that is to educate yourself. So read the books. Like for me, it was John Holt. Fortunately, my friend put me onto John Holt first. So I didn't know anything else except what he said about it. And it resonated so strongly with me that I completely agreed with everything he said. And that empowered me to take on the system, so to speak, you know, that feeling of conviction, that feeling like, yes, I agree. That's right. That gives you the confidence. And then, you know, you you're standing your ground. So you need to fortify yourself with more and more education. I read books like um, the Colfax family. They had a great book out. Um, I forget the name of it, but Mickey and David Colfax about raising four boys 
two were biological and two were adopted. And the first three of them ended up going to Harvard. They wanted, they wanted these, these kids that had never been to school before. And the fourth one uh, went to, I think, Cal Polytech because he was really into art. And um, so I would read books like that. That was back, you know, decades ago. And I'm sure there's more out now. There's Homeschooling uh, for Dummies. There's homes, oh, Homeschooling for Excellence is the name of the book by the Colfax family, C-O-L-F-A-X. And you can probably still find it. Um, but there's others out there. There's the um, Homeschooling for Dummies that a, a lady I know wrote. and um, there's a book called Homeschooling by Mary Griffith. There's one, one of the chapters was on unschooling. And then she wrote a whole book on unschooling by Mary Griffith. So just, there's so much out there on the internet. When you look under unschooling, just educate yourself. And then you'll find other people that will talk about their experiences. And the more people that you know that had successful unschooling experiences, the more you'll start to move from a state of fear to a state of confidence because now you're part of the tribe where they're all doing it, <laughs> right? And nobody is questioning you. And then you go back into the place where your in-laws are questioning you, but you have ammunition now and you have, um, you have confidence so that you can speak to those people, not out of fear, because, you know, when you speak out of fear, then they sense it and then they attack. <laughs> but when mm -hmm. you can speak from confidence, then you can you have things to say to the people that are trying to put you in a corner or ask you the questions like, well, how do you know they're going to learn? And how, do you, how are they going to get to college if, they, if they've never been to school? You know, and you'll be able to answer those questions because you're educated. You've, you've done the research. You've read books. You know how other people answer the question. And then it becomes your own. And it gives you that ability to stand your ground and I always say, go on the offensive. Like when I would take my kids to the grocery store and, and the checker would say, oh, how come they're not in school? You know, like they're attacking me. And I'd say, oh, you've never heard of homeschooling? It's the greatest thing ever. I, here, let me tell you about it. The kids can do this and do that. And, and, you know, so you're promoting it in a way and not being backed into a corner where you're like, um, well, because today they're sick or whatever, you know? Because they, people sense when you're fearful and they will attack, just like a dog or any other predatory animal. So educate yourself um, so that you can gain the strength and then act on it. And never stop educating yourself on the benefits of unschooling because it's always coming at all the, the normal society expectations. They're constantly coming to you through television, radio, the grocery store, the Muzak and the elevator, like it's all coming at you to brainwash. So you have to keep going more and more in your own self-education so that you don't succumb. And, um, but it will, it will get way better. I mean, as soon as I decided that this was what I was going to do and start a support group and started talking to people on a monthly basis, come and hear about unschooling. And then I would have a meeting and they'd come. The more I talked about it, the more I gained strength, you know, and the more people I found who agreed with me. And then we became a little group and, you know, so um, just, it, it'll get better. I think that's the thing that I can leave the moms with is even if you're afraid now, take the step, educate yourself and it will get better. 
You're never going to do it perfectly. Nobody does. Don't let anybody tell you they've got the perfect solution and they know exactly how you should homeschool your child. No, that's never the case. You will make mistakes, but your child will survive and your child will thrive and you will be a very proud mama. <laughs> that is so nice. That is so, so nice. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. Nice. Sure. <laughs> cool. Yeah. yeah, so I think this is the perfect uh, ending for this episode, unless you want to add something. Very Did good. Just... Well, it's been a pleasure, Alex. <laughs> yeah, same here. Thank you so, well, so much. Well, if you're interested, go to westriveracademy.com and check out our website, um, and you'll see what we promote. And if it resonates with you, then we're happy to have anybody join us. Awesome. Perfect. You will find all the links and everything to West River Academy uh, in the description to the podcast as well. Nice. Thank you so much. Okay. You're welcome, Alex. Thank you for having me. Sure. Aber die Leute,